Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Bruce Claggett in for Mike Smith. A lot to talk about on Baldry's Beat. Like the Billion Dollar Growth Communities Fund just announced in the past hour. John Horgan, well, he's going to be uh, out as MLA. He's stepping down, making that amount, announcement outside the legislature. And, of course, there's that health care spending We're following the action after the federal government's commitment to more funding this week. Oh, so much on Baldry's Beat. So let's go without further ado to Global News Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry. Keith, good morning and thanks. Happy Friday, by the way. Good morning, Bruce. Happy Friday to you. I guess uh, let's start with the big news uh, this week. Uh, John Horgan making this announcement. Uh, Not much of a surprise here, but maybe the timing. Yeah, I think the timing caught everybody a little off guard. I mean, it was an open question whether he was going to finish the term um, once he stepped down as premier. It wasn't clear how long he was going to remain as an MLA. And I think it was probably a little earlier than a lot of us, a lot of us had anticipated. But uh, I think he just wants to get on to the next chapter in his life. So we got an uh, email notice in our inbox yesterday morning uh, saying John Horgan's giving us a speech to the legislature at 1. And immediately the whole legislature just it just reverberated around the place everybody's saying whoa what's going on what's what's he going to do um we texted each other right away and it was clear he was um he was stepping out it's interesting he could not because of this quirky law we have the bc constitution act he could not actually stand up in the legislature bruce and say i'm quitting he could because that would immediately trigger his resignation it would just like right then that he's gone because under the constitution act if an mla were to say that in the house that means they are out of, uh, immediately. By doing it this way, where he basically gave a retirement speech uh, and then came out in the hallway and met with reporters and said, I'm leaving in March. I'm quitting. I'm going to give my notice to the speaker in March. Then he was able to clarify exactly what he was doing. Because it did confuse some people yesterday, I know, yep. um, that, wait a minute, so what What are you exactly doing here? <laughs> I think many of us uh, learned a little bit uh, about how things work. Yeah, no, I was unaware of that, quite frankly. I've been here many years. I did not know that you could not, uh, uh, you know, say I'm going to quit, but I'm not going to quit until six weeks from now. You can't do that in the, in the BC legislature. You have to make it clear that once you say you're done, you're done immediately. So it was um, an odd way of doing it, but it was, uh, it was quite the historic uh, moment in a way. And, you know, Thursday afternoons, there's hardly anybody in the legislature by tradition because it's, it's question periods of the morning. And it's just standard business. People are, MLAs are, you know, packing up to get home if they don't live in, in the capital region and, you know, catching ferries and planes. And in this case, nope. Everybody was in the house to watch John Horgan. And it was an emotional speech at times. It was funny, uh, very dramatic. Um, and 30 very minutes. Poignant. It wasn't yeah. short. It wasn't short. Um, and again, we all sat there knowing it was interesting. I ran into the BC legislature interns through these group of very young talented people who just starting their their stint here and they were going to do something that one meeting with someone and I said no drop that go up to the house and witness history and they were thankful that that was the advice because they sat there and watched this historical moment as well that's only the second premier's farewell in since 
well, since for a long time, since Bill Bennett, 1986, I think, was the last premier to actually address the House and say, you know, farewell. So it doesn't happen every day, and it doesn't happen every decade. So it was quite the moment. Keith, I want to say this and ask this with all sensitivities, but um, we saw the photos of John Horgan, and uh, he has had some tremendous health struggles and come through them, but uh, he's not looking like John Horgan a couple of years ago. Uh, from what you've heard, is he okay? Oh, he is. He said, and he said that in the House. He's, he's right, cancer-free. Now, that doesn't mean you're totally out of the woods, as we saw also um, this week with Selena Robinson, the advanced education minister, the former finance minister, announcing her cancer had returned. Right. That can happen. But John Horgan said yesterday, uh, no, he's, uh, he's healthy. He's, uh, now, he's lost weight. There's no question. I mean, Horgan and I have had a running gag between us for years about who's, who can lose weight here. We're both, you know, and we both succeeded, albeit he did it in a way he said he didn't want to do it, which was getting cancer treatment. But, you know, he's lost weight. He's certainly um, not as robust a fellow, shall we say, as he was a, a few years ago, but he says he's healthy. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does next. And that's uh, what I want to come to. Uh, I guess there's some buzz about possibilities, but do are you hearing anything that he's uh, possibly leaning toward or people are talking more about one thing than the other for the big next? There's nothing specific that's, that's circulated. But when you start going back into John Horgan's interest, he's really interested in salmon. I wouldn't be surprised if he does. he's given some sort of government appointment or task with uh, something to do with salmon habitat, because that's certainly been a passion of his over the years. Uh, he comes from sort of an, an energy industry background when he was in the civil service, uh, so maybe something along those lines. But I think salmon is uh, something he's always been his uh, passion. I wouldn't be surprised if, if something like that uh, comes his way. Okay, on to other topics. Uh, healthcare spending. Uh, David Eby is... Uh has met now with the Prime Minister, and uh, we've heard in the last hour right here on CKNW, the doctors of BC are kind of uh, optimistic about uh, even $46 billion, which isn't that much. Uh, what are you hearing? Is it going to be enough to solve all these issues that uh, keep on dogging us? No. <laughs> it's, it's basically status quo uh, spending in a way. I mean, I had long, a lot of uh, conversations and interviews with Health Minister Adrian Dix, for example, who's so insisting on putting a positive light on this that it's it, at the very least it stops the federal government's uh, share of uh, health care funding from eroding, which is where it was headed over the next 10 years. This deal will stop that. Um, eventually will decrease the amount of federal, the percentage of federal funding because health care costs are going up so much. So it, it works out in BC's case up to about $600 million of new money a year over what had been uh, promised uh, before. That's not insignificant. That's, you know, 600 million is 600 million. It would pay, for example, you know, only run the BC healthcare system for about nine days. That's how expensive our system is. But, you know, the, the, the doctor's contract has just been yeah. signed, for example. That will cost about 700 million in the third year. So, you know, 600 million basically helps to fund that contract. But it doesn't really greatly... Um, change things on the ground in terms of um, huge improvements. I mean, the premiers are looking for far more than this, but I don't think the expectation was realistic to actually expecting the government, the federal government to step up and give $28 billion more in one year. That just didn't seem to be in the cards. So Dix and the premiers all seem to be saying, okay, you know, we can, we'll take this. 
they're viewing it as a starting point. I'm not sure Trudeau's going to put more in um, between now and the next election, but I think it's at least it's a deal that uh, achieves one uh, crucial goal, and that was that's to prevent the feds from sort of uh, declining their sh- um, having their share of funding decline in terms of real dollars. It's actually going to go up, and that's that's not insignificant. And thanks for being with us on a Friday. Bruce Claggett in for Mike Smith. We've been talking about John Horgan and what's next for the outgoing MLA now, who's going to be stepping down in March. We also heard that uh, John Horgan is uh, doing much better in terms of his health. Lots of praise, by the way, yesterday for him after uh, he announced his the end of his political career. Uh, love to hear some of your thoughts on John Horgan and, uh, you know, whether he is suited for another big high-profile job. Um, what's his legacy? 604-280-9898. We continue with Keith Baldry and Baldry's Beat. There are other things happening, including, Keith, uh, this $1 billion growth oh. communities uh, fund. Announcement today, David Eby going off to Surrey. What's that all about? That's all about spending the surplus. So another day, another billion dollars. So the government's been sitting on a basically a roughly $6 billion surplus in this fiscal year. The way the law works here, provincial law, by law, if that money is not spent or allocated, it doesn't have to be spent, but it has to be allocated and earmarked uh, by March 31st, which is the end of the fiscal year, then that money goes against the provincial debt. You don't get a lot of political bang for your billion-dollar bucks if you just put it against the debt. If you spend it on something and give something back, that's more politically um, palatable and popular. So today, we've we've seen previous announcements that BC Hydro rebate, for example, um, came out of the surplus. Uh, The $500 million fund for housing is out of that surplus. And now today, a billion dollars for 188 uh, eligible municipalities to tap into to pay for infrastructure within their municipalities, sewer lines, um, you know, roads, whatever, uh, recreational facilities as well. Uh, this is a fund, a billion dollars, distributed through basically every town in B.C. Uh, that they can apply. They don't have to build it right now, but they just have to apply and get it signed off. And that's a significant amount of money. I mean, a billion dollars in grants, basically. It's one-time spending. Um, but uh, it, we're going to see more of this. this is, we've been waiting to see what the government's going to spend that surplus on. We're seeing it bits, bits and starts, but today that's, a, that's the biggest one of all, billion dollars for infrastructure and facilities within municipal boundaries. Well, it's certainly much needed uh, and perhaps not the sexiest stuff when you come to uh, municipal infrastructure, things like sewers and roads and things that are required uh, to keep up with growth, but uh, certainly needed. And, of course, it goes to facilities. A little bit more interesting there. Uh, Your calls uh, with Keith on any topic. Uh, Rob in Chilliwack, what say you this morning? Hi, good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Keith. If they're sitting on, uh, what, six, seven billion or whatever here, and, you know, the health ministers, uh, all the premiers, we know they're disappointed in what they're getting. Why, why doesn't the NDP take that money and inject it into our health care system? You know, I know money doesn't solve everything, but it's going to, it might stop people dying in emergency rooms. I'd just like your opinion, Keith. Thank you. Yeah, so here's, the, again, back to sort of bookkeeping or counting 101. If you spend that money on program spending... Um, that means it's basically you have to spend it again next year and the year after that. If you embed the spending into the system, uh, it doesn't disappear. It has to be funded each and every year. 
by doing it this way, by these one-time grants and, and rebates, the money doesn't have to be replicated next year. So this billion-dollar fund that's just been announced today is, does not exist next year. It, it, it's, it's there on the books until March 31st, and it disappears. It's not going to be there next year. We're unlikely to have a huge surplus next year. In fact, the expectation we're going to have another big deficit. Uh, we had this one-time huge surplus as a result of basically the government restating some income tax revenues, uh, and it's a one-time injection only. So by just if you were to put another billion dollars into the healthcare system, which the next budget will likely put into the healthcare system, frankly, it goes up about $800 million a year, um, that becomes has to be funded each and every year. So that's why it's not going into program spending. Yeah, it's not a lot of money. A billion dollars uh, gets eaten up pretty quickly when it comes to uh, healthcare spending. Billion sounds huge, but yeah. Uh, thanks for the call there, Rob. Bill in Victoria, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Uh, I I firmly believe they should pay the debt down. Obviously, they would save a lot on the interest interest payments that they would do it, and that would be the most prudent, common sense thing to do. But there's no level of any government doing anything even close to that. You know, I think Bill raises a good point, and I was going to bring this up. Um, you know, are governments staying away from that whole notion? I mean, we've got a surplus. Uh, is it something that they don't even want to tackle? Well, I think uh, I think the public right now is looking for relief when it comes to affordability, and I think that's the mood out there is not to be, you know, Scrooge-like and uh, cut spending and pay down the debt. I just think uh, the days of austerity are not there with the public because of the affordability situation. So that hydro rebate, for example, or ICBC, another classic example where insurance rates have gone down. I think people will take that over paying down the debt. In fact, history shows back in 2017, the BC Liberals are in power. Um, on the eve of the election, rather than spending a $3 billion surplus on giving something back to the voters, they decided to put it against the debt. And so affordability was a huge issue in 2017. It gave an opening to the NDP to tackle that issue and famously say, well, we're going to get rid of the tolls on the bridges. And the Liberals denounced that, saying that's irresponsible. You know, We're, we're paying down the debt. Well, the voters spoke on that one, and the voters spoke in favor of things like getting rid of tolls, even though it didn't make necessarily the best sense on a public policy point of view. On a popularity point of view, it was very popular. So paying down the debt, you know, it, it's it's music to the ears of accountants and such, but in terms of the average person who pays a lot of taxes wants something back from their government, and that's why when you're in a surplus position, which is unusual these days, you see governments doing just that. Rather than pay down the debt, give some of the money back. Thanks for the call there, Bill. Also in Victoria, Sheila, what's on your mind? Oh, hi. Yeah. So I'm a physician that works in an urgent care uh, um, center in Victoria. And I just wanted to say that uh, one of the colleagues of mine works for a long-term care facility, and he gets paid $18 for a phone call. So um, the, the the clinic, the, the, the long-term care calls him. He gets paid $18 to talk to them. And then he's got the daughter wanting to call, the son wanting to call, and he cannot actually bill for anything more. Because hate to cut that off there, Sheila, but I think we know where you're going with that in the last uh, few moments that we have. Uh, Keith, what about those uh, costs? Yeah, I'm not entirely familiar with what Sheila's talking about. There is a 
you know, one of the, one of the contracts that is yet to be renegotiated is the BC Nurses Union contract. I'm not sure that that's covered by what she's talking about, but um, I would assume collective agreements uh, dictate what she the cost she's talking about in terms of being paid for phone calls and such. But I don't have those particulars at my fingertips.